Hello and welcome to Sojourners in the Storm Bible Study Podcast. Today we're going to be covering 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Um, the title is Love Removes All Fear. And so with that, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. And uh, let's get started in a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to serve you, Lord. Father, I just pray um, that as we get into your word today, Lord, Lord, that you would just speak to me, speak through me, Lord, and, and speak to all of us that are listening. Father, I pray that this would be a blessing to anybody that hears. And uh, Father, that you would just fill us with your spirit, Lord, and lead us and guide us, Lord, as we seek to come become closer to you. Father, I thank you and I pray to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the pyramids of Egypt are some of the most famous structures in the world. Most of us probably know that they served as burial chambers for the pharaohs, but archaeologists report that preparation for death was important right across Egyptian society, not just for pharaohs. For the Egyptians, the path to eternal life was fraught with dangers, demons, and false trials. Uh, false trails. Sorry, one of the uh, one must be well prepared. The Book of the Dead provided instructions, tips, and anticipations for the soul on their journey to the underworld. The book was often exerted on, uh, on coffins and tombs, or the complete scrolls might be placed in the tomb. The last ordeal on the path to eternity was the weighing of the deceased's heart. This would determine their fitness for joining the land of the gods. Applicants who passed were welcomed by Osiris, a spirit uh a too heavy heart laden with evil was devoured by a monster and the spirit vanished into darkness. You know, Christian faith, of course, sees death very differently. The path to eternal life is not fraught with danger, but has been made simple and open by Christ. And while our hearts may be weighed, it is not the degree of evil found within them that will matter, but the presence of faith in Christ, who forgives all our sin and welcomes us into his presence. Many people worry about what happens when you when we die. Sadly, I see many uh, believers fall into the same problem. You know, we worry about whether what we have done in this life is good enough to get us into the next. But when we look at the Word of God, we gain the understanding that it is not our actions or merit it or our money that God is looking for, but our faith. You know, faith again is trust. Do we trust God and all of the promises He has given us? Are we confirmed in our faith by the completion of the promises we have already uh, that we see have already taken place in the Bible, and compare them to the records of secular history for confirmation, or do we see them as merely co uh, coincidental? Do we understand that what Jesus did for us on the cross, or is this just part of our religion? You know what we hold true to in belief is ultimately what will determine our outcome in the out afterlife. You know, it is the line between confidence and fear. To be confident is to have a certainty and a trust in something. You know, having confidence in the Word of God is the ultimate safeguard against fear. Fear is not knowing the outcome of a situation and thus dreading the results of an upcoming event to a point where worry consumes you. You know, what John is pointing out today to us in our text is that when we have a confidence in God, we will love him, and in turn, the love we have for God will be reciprocated and replicated in us. We will be confident with, uh, 
with no reason to fear, because fear will be driven out by love. So let's read our text for today, uh, starting with verse 17 here in 1 John chapter 4. It says, Love has been perfected among us in that, uh, in this, that we have uh, may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, God's love is the driving force for confidence in the believer. You know, we know God loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us. We know that his nature is love and that he cannot love each and that he cannot not love each and every one of us. God's love is the ultimate source of confidence for us. When we love him back, you know, love is completed in its return. It's made whole because you have two sides meeting in the middle and completing the transaction. You know, when we, uh, when love from the believer is returned to God, then the believer is made whole and, and, and can have the utmost confidence, confidence in God and in his promises because of the union that person has with God. You know, loving God is understanding that we are no longer spectators in the uh, arena of religion, but that we are participants in the way and the will of God. You know, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because He, as he is, so are we in this world. Well, let's take a look at this. You know, we are exempt from judgment because Jesus has made us righteous. You know, there are two types of people in this world. Those that know God and those that do not. One type knows, obeys, and does their best to do the will of the Lord. There's a sense of accountability in these folks that leads to conviction and a deep grounding in their actions because the love that God has shown them is the same type of love that those people strive uh, to return. You know, this is the group that understands that nothing they can do will earn their salvation, but because they have been granted salvation by faith, will be faithful to God in service and conduct. You know, there is no fear of punishment in this group because they have an understanding of what God has done for them. True faith comes with boldness or confidence. You know, when we go to work on a project that we're experts in, you know, we have the utmost confidence when we take on that project, right? Uh, that when we're met with any kind of challenge, we can handle and overcome the obstacle because we know it front and back. You know, for the believer, we have the knowledge through the word that we will face judgment in the uh, from the Lord. You know, and that by our faith in God, we have been granted a pardon from all the offenses that we have committed. You know, we see in verse 17, it says, uh, uh, you know, we have love perfected in us because we know without a doubt that God loves us. He sent his son for us. And he indwells in us to perfect us. You know, it's being given over to God in worship, character, in obedience. Looking at Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. In 1 John 2, 28, it says, And now little children abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, as a believer, it means to be of one accord with God. 
to be in His will, to understand His way is the best way. We do not just give our lives to God in word, but by our actions. We verify our faith knowing that through His direction and will, we will then in turn exemplify His love for us unto others, and by doing that, we are confirmed in our faith. Right? Because Jesus was righteous. He made us righteous. His righteousness imparts to us. And so in that, when we do face judgment, if, uh, you know, when we live lives for Christ, knowing that we're going to sin, knowing that we're going to fall short, we're not ever going to be perfect. But because of our faith in Jesus Christ, because we put our faith, our trust, our hope, and our love in Him, you know, when our day of judgment comes, He's going to stand before the Father and say, no, this one's mine. You know what? And we're going to be ushered into paradise with God forever. You know, you know, as it pertains to judgments, we are reserved because God has reserved us through the advocacy of Jesus Christ on our behalf. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You know, to not know God is exactly the opposite. It is to not have any type of assurance of what happens when a person meets their end. You know, it is to live life in such a way that there's a false sense of accountability. Because that accountability is to oneself, and oneself will change where God will not. It's not, uh, it is in that day of judgment that these people will meet the God they denied uh, at the throne of judgment. You know, and will be sent to eternity in hell because they denied, they abandoned, or they mocked the truth in order to pursue a temporary form of pleasure in a temporary life without regards for the external existence that we are all partakers of. The eternal existence that we are all partakers of. You know, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 23, we see their condition, um, the condition of the unbeliever described here. And it says here in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in un unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but because uh, became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. You know, I think about how many times the Bible is put down. Believers are mocked. How faith is seen as a negative attribute. You know, it's sad to see and understand that all these, those that participate in this conduct will one day be face to face with Jesus and have to give an answer uh, for what they've done. But in that day, uh, we'll hardly be able to think because the glory of God will be in front of them. You know, at that point, they will be punished and all of creation will stand and applaud, not because they hated those people, but because God has judged them righteously. You know, there is the notion out there that we are all children of God, and we are all going to heaven because of it. But that is untrue. You know, we are all part of God's creation as men and women, 
but we become children of God through adoption, and adoption comes through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You know, because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, Jesus was set apart. He was holy. And not only uh, was he that, uh, was, but is, right? He continues to be holy. When we look at his earthly ministry, we see that he did not conform to the world. He did not bend the truth for popularity or comfort. But he lived the truth, no matter the consequences, because he knew resurrection was coming. We need to know that resurrection is coming. All, we are the adopted children of God. We are not begotten, but adopted. You know, we bear the family name. We should live in the way of the family as well. That means boldly, with conviction, because we know the Lord is coming. We expect it. We look forward to it. You know, we are born of the Son and through the Son. And if Jesus calls God Father, so can we. As the adopted children of God, we share the confidence and assurance that Jesus enjoys. God loves us immensely and without restraint. And we should never have any doubt about that. Because it is not of God to abandon or turn his back on us. You know, he loves us. to be the. Uh, he needs us to be the constant reminder. And we need that to be a constant reminder in our lives. Uh, that he loves us and that he is for us. Verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You know, the love that spells confidence banishes fear. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with vehement uh, cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. You know, fear is a word that can cause problems for us. The verse from Hebrews, uh, in the context of the word fear, is that Jesus had piety, or it means uh, a means of respect for God the Father, and lived in accordance to his will. You know, he kept his ways as an assurance of his understanding. You know, there was no fear in a sense of anxiety but in a sense of minding his steps and his direction. Love does that for believers. It draws us to have that type of circumspect living when it comes to the condition of our hearts and the manner of our conduct. You know, it's God's love for us that allows us to come to him in prayer, in repentance, and so on. But we cannot fear God in an anxious sense when we come to him. If we love God and truly love him the way he loves us, we should be able to come to him openly and holding nothing back. We know because we are under grace that we are removed from our prior sin. We know that we are still sinners and that we can confess those sins to God and be removed from them. And that is what removes us from the anxious fear that those that do not know him have come to know. You know, to know God and not know the love God has for us is to have a deep fear and anxious unrest when it comes to God. Fear in that sense is having the expectation of punishment. You know, when we get busted running a red light and we are summoned to court, we have an anxious fear, uh, uh, you know, of what will happen to us when judgment comes down, right? You know, we're wondering if we're going to have to pay a fine or go to traffic school or something like that. You know, it's the same for a person uh, 
that maybe is aware of God or even grew up in a Christian home, but as an adult moved away from God. You know, as a result, that person go, then goes on through life, never really knowing what they believe. Uh, while living in the world, they become part of the world, but in their hearts have an unresolved fear of what could happen as far as judgment goes. You know, it's an anxiousness that leads to depression. It leads to anger and sorrow. You know, it causes those that do not know God personally to ridicule and lash out on those that do because they have a peace of, uh, that, that they want but will not surrender to get. You know, it's really tough. If you really ever see somebody that, that, that knows God, that knows the Word of God, that's read through the Bible, that was raised in a Christian home but decided to go the other way, to live for the world, you know, these people aren't peaceful with believers. These people go after believers. They mock, they ridicule. These are uh, antagonizers, right? And, and you see that in them. But it's a fear. It's an anxiousness in them that knowing the truth, you know, they professed to be wise and became fools, as the word says. You know, they, they went the other way. John R.W. Stott writes this, Fear introduces the category of punishment that is quite alien to God's forgiven children who love him. You know, when we love God, when we follow God, when we submit to God, when we obey God, you know, we have nothing to worry about. There is no punishment coming for us. You know, the, uh, uh, the wrath of man is not the wrath of God. You know, we may face some different things here and there um, in, in our day and age, but it's nothing compared to what's going to happen during the tribulation period and so on uh, for those guys that do not believe in God, that will not repent, that will not turn their hearts from the world and to his ways. You know, um, it, it's like a tale of two states, if you will. You know, on the one hand, you have, say, blue New Mexico, living in fear of a virus, right? It locks down, it goes over the top with restrictions, and yet is consumed by the virus. People are still getting sick with it. Then you have another state, like say our neighboring state here, uh, Texas, that recognizes this virus that's going on. It takes necessary precautions in dealing with the problem, but continues to live on freely despite of it. Right? The unbeliever is like New Mexico. It's swallowed up in fear and so sets up safeguards against sin and evil, but the values do not hold up because nobody, despite all precautions, can avoid it. You know, if a person gives themselves no way out of these things, they become trapped by a false sense of security and swallowed up by the sin they try to avoid. You know, fear brings with it the very punishment that it fears. On the other hand, the believer is like uh, a Texas. You know, sure we know we're going to sin. Sure we know we're going to fall short. You know, surely the people in Texas know, okay, I can catch this virus, right? You know, it's unavoidable. But we know that we can confess to God the things that we did and make an adjustment in our lives to avoid uh, the repeat of that incident and continue on. And knowing that, Christ, uh, that in Christ we have freedom, even though we will fail sometimes. right? We, it's something that we have to live with, that we can't ultimately avoid, but we can work to avoid it. right? We can take the precautions in our lives to avoid it, to get around it. You know, we know that if we confess, we can uh, remove our sins. Uh, you know, God will remove our sins from us. You know, God's love for us is that we should rely on, is what we should rely on to drive out all fear of the unknown. 
We can face every day and every situation with boldness, knowing that God has us at all times. You know, we look right now at our brothers in Afghanistan as they are being ultimately hunted by the Taliban. You know, let me say that again, actively hunted by the Taliban as they go to door, go door to door right now with the United States withdrawal, looking for all the people that opposed them over the past two decades. You know, it's heartbreaking to see uh, on social media, post after post after post about how, uh, you know, these people are being hunted. You know, now the United States government has given over a list of names to these guys that actively oppose Christians. And, you know, there are Christians in that country that were there, that were ministering, that were, um, you know, uh, witnessing to the people there. People were getting saved. Lives were getting changed. You know, they're, they're going around looking at people's phones right now. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you're being executed. You know, it's a terrible place right there. But fear is driven out when we know the word. You know, I know it's easier said than done from, uh, you know, a, a backroom office in my house in uh, Los Lunas, New Mexico, and not standing there in Kabul, Afghanistan, walking around, not knowing what's going to happen the next day. You know, but we can pray for those guys to, to hold on to their faith, to be true, and to, to stay strong in the face of danger, knowing that no matter what happens, God has them. They have that advocate for them. You know, in knowing uh, God and loving and trusting in his love, we are spared from all that uh, the wrath that he's going to bring against the unbelieving world. You know, his love spares us from punishment. And the tribulation period that is to come, is going to be when God punishes the world for its unbelief in their flesh before he does it uh, to their souls for eternity. You know, for the believer, though, we have security. Wrath is not for us. We are removed from this earth before any of that is to take place. You know, God loves us. And because as he, as verse 17 says, because as he is, so are we in this world, that qualifies us as his children and him as our father. Fear for us is walking in obedience with his word and not in, uh, of punishment because Jesus already took our punishment for us on the cross. But those that do not know God are those that will have something to fear because perfect love sees its return. And even though God loves them, they do not love him back. And in that, punishment and judgment will be on them. You know, how much does God love the unbeliever though? You know, how much is he willing and pulling for those guys? How much is he still opening doors and sending the Holy Spirit, sending believers and, and witnessing to them? You know, Second Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack in concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, he could pull the plug on everything right now if he wanted to. But he waits and he opens doors to all mankind until the last Gentile repents. You know, he knows who that person will be and when it will happen. But until then, he lovingly extends grace to all mankind so that nobody has an excuse when judgment day comes. You know, God's love is perfect and it draws us in the closer we get to him because we want more of it and more of it. We desire and we need it as we mature and separate from the world. Verse 9 said, 19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. You know, God's love is primary. Our love is in response. 
Nobody's attracted to somebody that does not love them. But because God loves us, we are drawn to him. You know, when a friend witnesses or gives us the gospel, we are drawn to the point where we understand where we fall short, but God loves us even not enough to save us, right? He brings us through that. He wants us. We mean more to him than anything in the entire universe. You know, our souls are precious. Our lives are precious. And God wants us. The world may believe that God is some crabby old man in the sky that sends people to hell because he doesn't like them. And that's a lie direct from the pit of hell. Because we know that God loves all of us. You know, it's a, a, a tactic by Satan to confuse and separate people and keep them separate from God for as long as possible. There is no etiquette when it comes to tyrants, and Satan is the grand poobah of them all. But when we break through the blinds of evil and see the love of God for us, man, it's like entering a, a fresh pool of water on a hot day, right? It's, it just cools you off. It, it's refreshing. You know, God's love welcomes us. It nourishes us. It builds us up. It drives out our fallen nature and fills us with the real love, godly love so that we may go and love others the same way. You know, going back to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, whether they have done, uh, gone home or are still in hiding right now, we don't know. Uh, they do know, though, and I pray that they're okay because God loves them. You know, and they are go uh, and they're loving others because that uh, of that love. That's why they're there. You know, that's why they're there witnessing and stuff and taking care of, of people and, and, and speaking in God's name. You know, they are taking hope to the hopeless in love because of his love. You know, whether our love is for God or for others, it is because God first loves us that we have the ability to true, uh, truly love in return. Our love for others is a return on God's investment in us. It's a response in God's love. Uh, uh, to love in love to God's love I think you know that is what should embolden us to be witnesses to the testimony of Jesus Christ knowing that we have a never-ending love from God and through God that we have the assurance of eternity with the King of Kings King, uh, because our crimes are wiped away remember no more due to our status uh, as, as children of God do we have sin in our lives you know, he takes them. He, he removes them from us. Because of that love, we can live fearlessly. We can live openly in our faith and live lives that glorify God without any shame, no matter what the world says, because we are not man-pleasers. We are to be God-pleasers. You know, it's like being a kid when, when a parent that uh, wears a fanny pack, right? We, we've all had those parents that wear something funky and crazy, right? But, you know, you're growing up as a kid and you have... Two parents that wear fanny packs. You remember fanny packs, right? They're those little, like, pouches with a zipper on them, and it's got, like, a belt that goes around your waist. And, uh, I, I don't know. They were cool when I was, like, 10, I guess, uh, like, in, the, in 1993. But, uh, you, you know, you grow up your whole life, and you see these things going on, right? You see the uh, your parents wearing these things, and you're like, man, that thing is cool, and it's functional, and, you know, I put my wallet in there, and maybe a snack. And so your first day of school comes, and you go to kindergarten, and you're rocking your own fanny pack, right? And all the other kids in the classroom are looking at you like, what's with this dude with the fanny pack? Why, why, is, why is he wearing this, right? But you don't care. You're just wearing it because you're like your father. You're, you, you know, you're, you, you, my dad wears one, and I'm going to wear one. And I don't care what anybody says. 
you know, and you know, when you go home, you're going to see your dad and, and he's going to be wearing his and you're going to be wearing yours and, and he's just going to be beaming with pride. And I know that's a horrible analogy, but it's the same way. When we live lives of love, when we live lives of, uh, of respect towards God, of conduct, of godly obedience and conduct, right? No matter what the world says, no matter how badly we stick out like a sore thumb because we love people that hate us, because we pray for those that oppress us, because we will go marching into a fire to witness to somebody when the rest of the world would turn away and let them go. You know, God's beaming with pride for us. We live differently. We live as he lives. You know, never let influ uh, outside influence sip influences separate you from doing and being what God has called us to do and be because he loves us and we return that in obedience humbleness and service out of love and respect and when we understand that when we truly know that and when we're truly grounded in that we know that when the day of punishment comes that we will not be punished but we will be on the other side with the Lord you know praise God for that Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your promise of salvation. And Father, thank you for, uh, you know, removing our sins on the cross that day, Lord, that we could live boldly, that we could know that when punishment comes for the world, Lord, that we are spared. Father, we just thank you so much for ah, just your love, your grace, your mercy, and the peace that you bring to all of our lives. And Father, I pray that as we go about this week, Lord, that you would just, uh, you would just change us, Lord, and remind us and show us, Lord, how much you love us. Father, I thank you and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.